Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Mitch Steven. Hi, Mitch. How you doing, Joe? Nice to be here. Great to have you. And are you in New Braunfels, Texas? Is that where you're at? I know you said Lake Canyon. Well, it's it's Canyon Lake, but I I live really just north of San Antonio where 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 the population is and where I do business. Um, I live at a place called Canyon Lake, but it's not, um, it's not uh, incorporated. So the closest mailbox is in New Braunfels, the post office. So that's how we got there. Got it. Okay. Well, welcome from Canyon Lake and excited to have you on the show. A little bit about Mitch. First off, I got introduced to him. I think it was, I don't know, I'll say four years ago, three, four years ago through a mutual friend of ours. And the mutual friend told me about Mitch's book, which is, uh, he has another one coming out. We'll talk about that. But uh, the book that he mentioned was My Life in a Thousand Houses, Falling Forward to Financial Freedom. And that is a informative and entertaining book. One of the most entertaining books. I I was laughing out loud. I found myself laughing out loud in in some of the stories. I think it was the uh, it's been a long time since I read it, but I think it was the boat story where you the the boat sunk, um, where you traded a boat or so something happened. But I remember I had I had some storages and I repossessed. They didn't pay me, so I repossessed this boat and I was all proud of this boat and I took it out to the lake and it sank. <laughs> <laughs> so. Lesson learned is, uh, I guess, don't take a boat for compensation, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so so happy to have you on the show. Mitch has purchased over 1,300 properties in the last decade. He is the founder of San Antonio Real Estate Investors Association, which had over 800 members. He's the founder of Homes2Go.net and Cash4Houses.net. He is the owner of 1,100 boat and mini storage doors around the lake where he lives. Uh, the mailman recently came to his house the other day and said he's got to get a better, bigger mailbox for all the checks that are coming in. I mean, Mitch has an incredible amount of experience and he is also a hard money lender, among other things. So with that being said, Mitch, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on right now? Well, the first thing I wanted to say is it sounds like I'm into too many things. And for an average person or someone who's not a multitasker, it certainly would be too many things. Um, but I will say this. All the things that I've done is have been like a metamorphosis, like one at a time. I got really good at owner financing houses and creating notes out of thin air. 
And, and that was the staple in the launching pad for everything else that happened. I made a lot of money at creating notes, but the problem is uh, real estate lien notes, they, they are going to expire. They have an end date. And so I had to find some forever money. And so I took the money I made from creating notes and I picked the only venue that I ever want to be a landlord in. And that was storage units, boat storage units or mini storage units. And so um, I kind of built up my success owner financing. And then I took the money and the success that I made and I, and I bought something that would go on forever and ever and ever and basically be inflation proof because as my notes got paid down, my rental incomes would increase over time uh, with inflation. And then the loans to go, I just, I just got so successful at raising so much private money to buy houses to owner finance that I, I didn't want to buy that many houses or I couldn't buy that many houses. And so I started loaning it out so I wouldn't lose my investors. I started loaning the money to my, my competitors. So you see where everything that I do kind of ties in together with each other. And they're really kind of necessities to, to keep or maintain my wealth or my resources. So I just wanted to explain that, Joe. I, I, I'm not off into a bunch of different things. I'm off into a bunch of things that slightly are morphed. With, with storage units, uh, I imagine they're easier to construct than multifamily uh, because of all the different uh, headaches that you mentioned with multifamily right. uh, and expenses, carpet, sheetrock, glass, only, you know, multiple doors, they have toilets. Um, so since they are, uh, since storage units are so uh, simplified in the construction process, that leads me to believe that they would be uh, easier to pop up. Therefore, your competition would be greater than with multifamily. Have you found that's the case? Well, um, well you, there's about four different things going on in that, that statement. But let me just tell you, yeah, there are, they are simpler to build. So the competition, there's an easier entry for your competition because they're kind of a low entry level project. You know, it doesn't take as much to get into storages. So therefore, more people can get into the game. That's one of the things you need to be careful of when you build is, is that someone doesn't build right next to you, literally. Like I had people build right next to me when I filled up my land and I couldn't do anymore. Someone built right next to me. I try to build in the rural areas outside the city limits so I don't have to deal with all the regulation. As a matter of fact, when I started doing this, all I needed was a septic tank permit and I could build anything I wanted and with nobody to encumber me. Uh, today, I need a septic tank permit and the fire marshal has to come out and give me a permit and uh, just a few little rules there with fire extinguishers and sprinkler systems if I get over a certain contiguous size and stuff. But I like to build in the rural areas because I frankly don't like red tape and I don't like people telling me what to do at all. And so I go out in the country where there's very minimal um, regulation. And plus, I can afford to, to build in the country. Um, you know, the land isn't as expensive. I don't have environmental issues, uh, holding holding ponds for runoff and all, all these things that they would require in the city, master plans, engineers, all that stuff. I mean, I want to build my storages right and I will build them right. I just don't want anyone slowing me down. I, I know how to I know how to hire an electrician who will build the code. I know how to put pour a slab that's that is engineered strong enough. I don't need someone telling me and waiting and paying for inspections for all that. 
Well, we've talked about a whole lot of really valuable information and, and you've already given some great tips um, and insight and we haven't even gotten to the best part. So Mitch, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? The best real estate investing advice ever is always buy from the owner, find distressed owners and deal with them. Don't don't deal through the MLS, the realtor system. I mean, it is possible sometimes to, to find a nugget there, but where you find the majority of your deals is you deal with distressed owners or you deal directly with the owner. If you have a system where you're trying to buy houses and you're not getting calls from the owners, then I'd say change that system because that's where the bargains are made. When you deal with the banks, they have floors on their pricing. When you deal with the realtors, they have they have a floor on their concept of what can and cannot be done. They have a floor or a ceiling in their head. It's it's fake, but they they have this imagination of what can be done and what can't be done, and they limit you. When you deal with the owners, you're dealing one-on-one, and I've actually had owners give me properties. I mean, try to write a contract for that to your realtor. I, I, I like to propose that this seller just give me the house, just hand it into the realtor and see what happens. It's not going to, they're not even going to submit it. So that's my advice. Let's talk about that one example. Was that a form of lease to own or was they just, were they just behind on taxes or did they not think it was worth a lot? What, what's the scenario where they give you a house? Well, this was particularly, this was a mobile home. It's in the book. It's, it's called, uh, uh, I don't, what was the name of that chapter? Uh, the gift is what it was called. And it was a mobile home on a rented lot that was pretty much um, damaged. You know, it was, it was less than livable, I would say. It could have been fixed, but uh, it was on a rented lot and the expenses were every month were, were biting into the owner and they gave me the home if I would take over the expenses. And I owner financed it as is to someone who was willing to fix it. So a man gave me a home on a rented lot and I marked it up. And I sold it to someone in less than 30 days. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, I am. Best ever book you've read? Self-Made in America by John McCormick. Explain, it, it, it addressed the issue of why immigrants can come to the United States of America and not even know the language or the culture or the laws. And within five to six to seven to 10 years, be financially independent. When we as Americans can live here our whole entire life and never figure out how to do it. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. I will be buying that immediately. Uh, And in fact, uh, best ever listeners, I know you like audio. So if you want a book like that for free, go to freebesteverbook.com. And yeah, Mitch, it's, it's crazy the amount of resources we have available to us. And if we're just more resourceful and surround ourselves with the right people, with the right knowledge and uh, the right strategy, what, what's, what's possible. I, I love that approach. It's a little bit, it's a little bit deeper than that. And in, in, in a nutshell, what's happening is we as Americans get so spoiled with the right now that we enslave ourselves with bad debt and we can't break out of it. We get on a hamster wheel of bad debt that we have to keep working and we can't go out and, 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 and become the expert or go into that field or, or take the risk to own our own business because we get on such a hamster wheel. The other issue is we're soft. And when you see what these immigrants do 
and how much they sacrifice to become financially independent in six or seven years, you'll look at yourself in the mirror and go, that's, I did. I looked in the mirror and said, that's the reason why I'm not getting there. I am not giving up enough. Look what these people are doing to get this done. And I'm not even coming close to that kind of sacrifice. And once I understood the reason for their success was because they were sacrificing at such a higher level, I was able to look in the mirror and say, well, if I want this, this is what I'm going to have to do. And then I committed to do it. And I, and I moved my sacrifice level up knowing that I would get there then. That's the next book on my list. Thank you for sharing that. I don't think it's in print anymore. I think you're going to have to find a used version. Maybe they have it on audiobooks or something, but it's um, Self-Made in America by John McCormick. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. The best ever personal growth experience happened to me when um, I was dead broke and my significant other at the time left and I was at the very bottom of the bottom. Uh, emotionally and financially. And I think that was the best lesson I ever learned because you can completely reinvent yourself when you're at the bottom. There's no one around to tell you what to do because all the hangers on left, um, the ones that are still around are probably your true friends. And it's a perfect place to reinvent yourself. And on that day or that week, whatever it was, I came to the conclusion, I decided that I was never, ever going backwards again. And I would not relent on the path that I was going to go on and that if anyone didn't want to support me or, or help me, then I would have to either disown them or push them at least to the side for a while and come back to them when I had accomplished what I needed to accomplish. And I never went backwards again after that day. And basically not going backwards. I meant I was not going to buy crap anymore. I was only going to buy assets and every every month, I was going to become worth more than I was last month. And that, and that was just a goal. I, I was never going to be worth less than I was the next month. How long ago was that? It was um, 21 years ago. Best ever success habit you practice? I continually work on improving my, my system, my, my, my business systems. It's very difficult for me because I'm not a, um, I don't pay attention to detail. I'm not a detail-oriented person. I don't like paperwork. So I have to count on certain people to get things done. And I work on streamlining those systems all the time in my mind, trying to get to a point where I'm working, you know, like rich dad, poor dad, I'm working on the business, not in the business. I'm constantly trying to figure out how do I get higher and higher and higher above my business so I can look down on it and, and, and see the problems with it and correct them and try to get to the point where I'm not answering the phones and I'm not having to handle every problem every day all the time. Best ever deal you've done? Well, the best ever deal was when I got my wife to marry me. That was the best deal I ever made. Um, it both cost me money and made me money, <laughs> but she's been a tremendous asset to my business. But one of the problems with answering test questions, Joe, is I see like, Two sides are two ways to answer everything. Let's hear both sides. The short run, I made a deal one time. I flipped it. I made 90 grand. I didn't have to do anything to it. Um, you know, 90 grand. I'm not a, I'm not a big, big, big hitter. Uh, I don't make big deals. I make lots of little deals that have minimal risk to me. And I just stack them up until they become a very big pile. Um, I'm not one for running out and doing great big deals where I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm getting closer to those deals now as, as I'm mature and I have 
longer legs. But um, so ninety thousand dollars, I bought a house. Uh, I sold it before I bought it and had a double closing, and we put about ninety two thousand dollars in the bank. In the long run, the best deals I've ever made were buying pieces of property, putting storage units on them, and watching that property over the 10, 12, 15, 20 years become worth huge amounts of money just because the population came out to reach the location that I had built storages on. For example, I bought a piece of property for $17,500 on a hard corner on the way to my house at the lake. And I bought it for $17,500 owner finance with 2000 down. I built some storages on it. And it's now worth probably six or $700,000. And I got paid every month to occupy that piece of property in the long haul. That's, that's a bigger number, but it took a lot, it took a lot longer than the, the other example. That's incredible. Two very, very good examples. Thank you for sharing that. What's the best ever quote? I like two. There are no great men. Just great challenges that ordinary men are forced by circumstance to meet. It's unknown. uh, There are no great men, just great challenges that ordinary men are forced by circumstance to meet. And then the other one that I love, and I wish I could tell you who, who, um, who said it. I'm sure we could Google it and find out. But it's wealth comes from chaos. So in order... In most cases, when someone becomes wealthy, they find a a mess and they help straighten it out and they find a strategy through that mess and they're able to parlay it and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat or expand it, expand it to the next state, to the next state. You know, um, Ross Perot made a fortune by learning how to figure out the overages and underages uh, for Blue Cross Blue Shield, I believe. And he did so well in the state of Texas that he just expanded it out among all the states and became a multi, multi, multi millionaire because of one process that he figured out. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Going too fast and trying to do too many things at one time. Without a doubt in my mind. Here's a quote that I made up myself. The hardest thing an entrepreneur will ever do is find one good idea and finish. That <laughs> I like it. Is an, I don't make very many original statements, but that's one. You know, so my if I would have stayed focused, if I would have stayed focused on what I was good at and um, not ventured off into some things that I wasn't good at, every time I've lost money, it's because I left my core my core business. When I've lost money, it's because I left my core business. What's the best ever place to reach you, Mitch? Uh, 1000houses.com. 1000houses.com. My email address is real simple, mitch at mitchsteven.com. The only complication is you have to know how to spell my last name. It doesn't have a V in the middle, and it doesn't have an S on the end. My last name is S-T-E-P-H-E-N. I have two first names. <laughs> you're, the, you're the first best ever guest to have two first names. <laughs> yes. You know what they say, always trust a man with two first yes. names. Yes. <laughs> That's not what they say. <laughs> well, you, you should trust them twice as much as you would trust a man with one first name, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mitch, for being on the show and sharing, I don't know, many, many, many pieces of advice with the best ever listeners. I uh, have not been on an extended call with you like this before. We've been on other calls and the conversation is indicative of how you wrote your book, 
My Life in a Thousand Houses, Falling Forward to Financial Freedom. And I know you've got another one coming out, My Life in a Thousand Houses, uh, 200 Plus Ways to Find Bargain Properties. Highly recommend uh, all the best ever listeners go check out uh, that book. It was just, like I mentioned before, it's incredibly entertaining and informative and uh, jumps from different topics that are all tied into uh, being a successful investor. So thank you so much for sharing your advice, and we'll talk to you soon. Joe, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe. 